Welcome to Creative Life Hackers. My name is Ruthie. And I'm Lisa. We're your hosts. In this podcast, we provide you with creative inspiration, support, and community on your journey of building an independent and creative lifestyle. Join us for talks with artists, musicians, gig workers, entrepreneurs, and people who are actively authoring the stories of their lives. We explore how they leverage their creativity in the pursuit of their dreams and share what they learned on their path to empower you on yours. We're letting go of limiting narratives, taking our power back, and creatively life hacking. Hey everyone, we are excited to share this week's episode with y'all. Today we are interviewing Mark Martinez. He is a DJ, who you may know by his moniker Subset, but he also is a creative director at a nightclub in Seattle, the founder of The Instigators, the host of his growing, huge, honestly, Twitch channel, which you should definitely check out at Subset Gets It. And he's also streaming on Dirty Bird Records and Abracadabra. I think one of the most beautiful things about Mark is his resilient attitude and how he's able to take challenges in his life, turn them into wisdom and art for himself, and then is vulnerably sharing them with others on the internet, which I can speak for myself and Ruthie probably, in that it's been a really huge inspiration. So stay tuned because this one is going to be really good. Welcome to Creative Life Factors. Today, Ruthie and I have our friend Mark Martinez on. That's me. (laughs) So as I said, Mark is a dear friend that Ruthie and I both know through Holy Ship, which is a music festival, and that when we went on it was on a cruise ship to the Bahamas. So Mark is a little famous, infamous for doing these renegade sets at various hours of the morning and night, uh, sometimes after the music stops. And um, eventually um, he started performing on Holy Ship and then we, he created this uh, troupe that we are all members of called The Instigators. And that has just grown and grown into now being, I would say, a master of all things live stream. Mark has been incredible. Oh, uh, I do some things. <laughs> he does. Oh, so. I, I, some, sometimes too many things. <laughs> so we were just saying, Mark is really good at doing a lot of things at the same time. He's quite the multitasker, but we love it. So I'm drinking tea and petting a cat and doing a podcast all at the same time. How does he do that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, welcome to the show, Mark. We're so excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yes, thank you so much, Mark. We, um, our friendship and journey together has definitely been going on for many years. I think starting at Holy Ship, but really blossoming at Burning Man and um, really blossoming throughout our work together with the instigators. And um, I want to, you know, when I first, I remember when I first, you know, heard of you, saw you, it was obviously through Holy Ship and it was like, hey, there's this guy in New York and he runs a weekly event called Basement Saturdays at Webster Hall, which is a venue in New York City. And 
And so he's this DJ and he's, you know, really popular within the Shook Fam community. He's got a and- seamless ad. <laughs> <laughs> That was kind of my my first introduction to this person. And, and so it was very right off. I could tell you were, you were one of those types of people that are constantly organizing things and constantly putting things together and, and producing. Only recently has it actually been organized. (laughs) Constantly, (laughs) constantly doing things. Now I'm getting into the constantly organizing (laughs) things. Attempting to organize. There we go. Attempting. You've been Um, growing in organization throughout the years, but you haven't let that stop you. I mean, probably at some points, but you've still kept the ball rolling. (laughs) How did, you know, what, what did your, kind of creative start look like? When and where did all of this start for you? Um, Well, up until even when I was in college, uh, it was never really creative endeavors. I was a computer engineering, computer science and math major, which isn't the most creative. I mean, to some degree, computer science and writing code, there is some creativity to it. Um, But I had never really had any creative outlet I spend most of my time just kind of playing video games. Like I, I when I was a kid, I would, I was gaming like 10 hours a day. That was my social interaction. It was the internet. Um, social distancing since. Yeah. Whenever. I've been socially distancing since before it was cool. Dude, social, social distancing is an introvert's paradise right now. I mean, I, I don't have to leave my house. I'm not even supposed to. Awesome. It is. Perfect. Um, <laughs> But I, so I dropped out of college uh, with a year to go. I kind of had like a life crisis where I, I was engaged. I was a year away from graduating. I kind of saw my life where I was going to graduate, get married, get a desk job and computers. And like, I could see my whole path in front of me. And that scared the shit out of me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I did what any sane person would do. And I dropped out of college, broke off my engagement and jumped into the unknown damn i love it yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that took a lot of courage like you just like felt like you saw the options and decided to go the the crazier more like yeah and, exciting and, route. and i so i only had a year to go with school mm-hmm. and the way i looked at it is i was going to give myself one year to figure out what i wanted to do and if i didn't i'd go back and finish up because i also graduated high school year early so i was a year ahead of the typical schedule so i was like okay Give myself a year, see mm-hmm. if there's something else that really ignites that passion in me. If not, I'll go back and finish it up. And I was never really a partier before I dropped out of college. Um, I didn't really drink too, like I, you know, drank a few times, but I didn't party. I didn't really listen to electronic music at all. Um, but what else are you gonna do when you drop out of college and you stay in a college town but party? So I fell into the party world for the first time and quickly found a love for uh, electronic music. I'd always loved music, but this was the first time I really truly felt like a really strong connection with it. And I had been uh, having after parties at my house all the time, always trying to find like newer things to listen to, like weirder things to listen to when I had people over. Literally one night, one of my friends was like, Mark, you always just have the best music. You should try DJing. I was like, okay. <laughs> what was your first DJ experience? 
So I had dual residencies in Morgantown, West Virginia at uh, a gay club and a lesbian bar. Love it. So I was DJing drag shows every weekend, uh, having to cater to a lot of different crowds, a lot of different styles. It's like a, a gay club in Morgantown, West Virginia. You, you have like several very distinct crowds with very distinct music tastes from the ones who want only Gaga and Britney to the ones who hate Gaga and Britney, but want Katy Perry. Cause there's a very big difference in the fan bases Whoa, I didn't to the people who want like the that. electronic music to people who want only Lil Wayne uh, to people who just want to hear top 40. And I had to figure out how to balance all of those desires with my own desires and tastes. So that was my first taste of uh, open format DJing and trying to please people while also injecting my own flavor into it, which I feel is very much what I do now. It's just a little bit of everything, but with my own twist. Definitely. Yeah. So, so how did that's you get where it all began? Virginia to New York. I feel uh, like there's actually West a very... Virginia. West, West Virginia. Virginia. Sorry, very sorry. important distinction. You... Oh. A, a lot of people think that West Virginia no. is just the western part of Virginia. No, I know that it's not, but I, I, I know you do. <laughs> there are sadly a large group of people who don't realize that. PSA West Virginia. So my impressions of West Virginia are like kind of like I mean the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia. So like hills rednecks really good nature and white water rafting you're not wrong okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it, it is a very beautiful state uh it is it has some of the the greatest nature in uh in the country yeah. uh, it, but there is a lot of you know backwoods for lack of a better term but morgantown it was an oasis uh in that respect a very liberal town college town very big college town mm -hmm. a huge huge party scene uh not very typical of the rest of west virginia nice Glad um, but moving from there to new york um uh, so i s dropped out in 2008 started djing a little later that year and knew i was going to get serious with it in 2000 like mid of 2009 and quickly realized there was only so much you can do in West Virginia with DJing. Uh, you know, there's some raves out in different fields and in different mountains and stuff, which yeah, was hard for me party. to get into the rate to the rave scene. I, it was, it was hard for me to get DJ gigs there. I was relegated a lot to certain clubs, which was also hard to get outside of the certain clubs that I, I had residencies at. And I knew there was a, a, a pretty low ceiling and I had already been bumping up against it. So I was doing research into next steps and I found a school called Dubspot, which is a DJ music production school in New York City and uh, decided that I want to pursue that and move to New York and, and give it a shot, like really give it a go. Amazing. So what age were you when you got to New York? This is 2010. Uh, so I was 22. It was 10 years ago. And when did you come up with your uh, moniker subset? So my first DJ name was DJ Diego. Because mm. <laughs> one of the bartenders at Vice, Vice uh, which was the club that I worked at in Morgantown, mm -hmm. her daughter thought I looked like Diego from Dora the Explorer. 
adorable. <laughs> so I was DJ Diego to begin. And then quickly realized when I was getting serious that that wasn't really going to fly. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to be serious. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if I was still DJ Diego? <laughs> yeah, it would have been different branding. <laughs> it would have been very different branding. And it's like, why is your name Diego, but your name is actually Mark? <laughs> so, um, kind of like Latin descent or. Yeah. I yeah. mean, <laughs> Diego Martinez. I would have had to change my name. Diego oh. Martinez. I mean, it's yeah. a good name. That, that's like my techno name. Diego Martinez would be a good But I agonized for a while over what my name was going to be because I knew, like, once you pick a name, you stick with that name. And I couldn't, for the life of me, figure anything out. And one day I was looking just around my room and I saw my calculus book and I was like, yeah. started. Flip it, flip it open. Huh? Huh. Subset. That works. And here we are. That, that's about it. Like, <laughs> I wish it had some big deeper thing. No, uh, I like, but I like that cool it was intuitive. It's developed. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's developed, and it and it actually like when I started doing that, I didn't realize how how fitting it would be. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a subset. I mean, for any people watching this who aren't familiar. Like if you have a set of numbers, uh, a, a set like something that's contained within that, like a smaller grouping of those numbers, is a subset. So it's very, uh, it's very relevant to communities and what we do, which is is uh, connecting subsets of people. And then you also have sub subwoofer play sets, blah blah blah. So it, it actually it's a much better name than I could have. Uh, done if i had sat there and tried to create all this meaning but i guess that's how things are right Mm -hmm. they're intuitive and then the meeting uh, and i feel like you have been really intuitive on your path too and that's like a big strength yeah because like whenever yeah i had talked to you you were one of the first people that i came across that was talking about manifesting things and how this was when you were already like in new york um djing at, at um webster but yeah like just knowing that like it takes a good amount of trust, right? To just yeah. kind of jump into the unknown and see what happens. But like a big part of that is trusting your intuition too. And it seems to have led you to the right places. Cause sometimes I think a lot of people think that you've got to have your whole thing like planned out steps, A, oh, B, no. C, D. You really got to basically roll with the punches and read the room as you go. I feel mm-hmm. like, I mean, that's, that's been my experience. Cause like, the the vision i had for my life and career when i moved to new york and started going to dj school is vastly different from how it's uh how it's turned out like i thought i was gonna be producing music and become some big headliner traveling around the world i'm sure as a lot of people think is going to happen but i also discovered quickly that my passion wasn't for making music but for for finding music and for creating events and connecting people which is a skill on in and all of itself and it's one that is uh harder to find these days because anyone who's in electronic music is told that they have to produce to make it and producing music requires sitting in a room by yourself for a very long time and you can't connect communities at least in the beginning stage of your of your career if you're sitting in a dark room creating music for yourself for long, long periods of time. Um, and throughout my career, people have told me like I've had managers and agents here and there for short lived periods of time because most of them told me, 
I need to get in the studio. I need to make music if I'm going to make it, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I decided to say, fuck that. I'm not trying to make it anymore, which also came with a realization that I had, had already made it and that mm-hmm. chasing this elusive definition of making it or like traveling around the world nonstop and playing to 20,000 people trying to chase that and chase this, the typical definition of success in the music industry was preventing me from seeing the success I already had, mm. which is like, you know, uh, for the last uh, couple of years, I've been the creative director of a nightclub in Seattle. I get it paid a salary to, uh, to create events every week and to help build a community in Seattle. I get to travel around the world with my friends and instigate stuff at various festivals. When I do play shows, they're into, they're not huge, but they're intimate gatherings of people who truly care about my music, truly connect with it. And they are, uh, events that are used as a catalyst to actually just bring people together. Like, yo, subset's coming to town. All right. Everyone needs to get together. I haven't seen you in a while. You know, while. come on. We all like this okay. one's this is go time. I think so Rather, many times when that's been a thing. Right. <laughs> and that, that it took me a while to realize it, but that's success. That's making yes. it. I have like I think I think the thing about success and the thing in making it is uh part of it is changing your definition of it. Yes. Can you have it all? Can it be fun? Right? Our we had this conversation at Electric Forest 2 years ago. We did. You can have it all mm-hmm. if you change your definition of what all is. Exactly. Yeah, so Mark and I were chatting about this and I ended up making it into a um a painting live painting that night and I've made it into stickers and it is so funny because so we were having this conversation about like can you have it all it's all about like yeah refocusing like what what all means and trying to see if it is possible because yeah anyway so so yeah redefining it but I've been so surprised because I've given these stickers out to a ton of people and just hearing people's reactions to it a lot of them immediately like uh, no, you can't have it all. Like, no, <laughs> like feel like really invested in like why it's not possible for them to have it all. And I think potentially they're equating like having it all with like, I'm going to have like a million dollar house, a bunch yep. of nice cars and whatever strippers like all the time. It's like, <laughs> okay, like that's- Well, cool. don't get me wrong. That last part is still <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so I don't have it all quite yet. I'm still waiting on the strippers. Is anyone watching? My address is. <laughs> right. But yeah. That's, that's, that's a lot of people are stuck in that mindset of mm-hmm. all is the uh, cultural overarching American dream of all, which mm-hmm. uh, we've realized we have so many friends who leave lead alternative lifestyles and if and i think that's actually one of the really uh unique things about the holy ship community is it brings a lot of people there who have found ways to be entrepreneurs be their own bosses and be successful without being tied to desk jobs yes because uh, that's how they're able to go on you know holy ship every single year afford it and also go to all the various meetups throughout the year because mm-hmm. they make their own schedule so through the years, I've had a lot of inspiration and guidance from people who have uh, found a way to uh, shun the norm and what people are told is the path to success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something that comes to mind to me is like, um, 
like Tim Ferriss lifestyle design, of course, of just considering like how you're spending your time and like how much money you're making and knowing that yeah. you can't get your time back. But also like these, you know, this um, anonymous them that are like, you need to have it all and it needs to look like this. Like if you come across someone that is living that, like I found it really helpful to like, ask yourself, do I want their lifestyle? Like really look at them. Like for example, you know, yeah. the producer that might be traveling around the world, but constantly busy as fuck drained, like their body might be suffering because they don't have enough time to like take care of themselves or connect with people that are important to them. And they might feel really like lonely or isolated. It's very uh, lonely on the road. Yeah. Like just knowing oh, like, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. Like you could, you could have that definition, but like actually having some examples of like, what does that look like? And do you, do you want that person's life? And if you don't, then you don't need to take advice from people that are trying to get you to do that. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. And if you do, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, take it all in, mm -hmm. but through your own filter, Yeah, you don't need to take anything as gospel. hundred percent. So you, you know, we've talked about the instigators on probably every, nearly every, <laughs> we are, um, have really starting with interviewing a lot of the instigators because these are the people who inspire us and they're, you know, we have been so blessed to be able to create such an incredible team with with it um and just people who are really leading cool lifestyles um i kind of have my story of how the instigators started i would love to hear your version <laughs> from you know coming from the og instigator um i would love to hear yeah let's hear your version of it mm -hmm. well holy ship is definitely a gathering of instigators right that's yeah. it's like it's instigator central <laughs> that's, that's that's what's always made holy ship so special is, is is how most of the people there are part of creating the experience and they find ways to uh create silly little moments throughout the entire festival which those silly little moments i mean with with anything in life life is made up of small moments like this right above and beyond mm. like that's what it is and when you have more people who are putting effort into creating those small moments, you have just something truly special. And when, um, when Gary left Holy Ship and started Friendship and a lot of the OGs left, uh, a lot of that mentality left and a, a lot of the people who previously created those moments left Holy Ship. And my idea was if they let, ship fam actually have control of creating activities brainstorming the themes uh and being hosts of some form when you when you actually let your friends create experiences uh, you'll have a more special event and people will get more excited about it because uh, it's it's not just other people doing it it's their friends and, and they know and they trust in their friends and uh luckily uh, hard and insomniac believed in the idea although at the time they didn't realize that the instigators wasn't actually a thing <laughs> they put a lot of trust in us but i think they had th i think they thought we had done events before um 
<laughs> we dove right in the deep end. Uh, so they gave us the opportunity that first year to run uh, all the activities with their team and and generally be the hosts of uh, Holy Ship and the ship fam base of it, which was a really, really cool opportunity and solidified in me the belief that having the people who are entrenched in the community help create the experiences uh, creates a better event instead of just people who are kind of not not that there's anything wrong with the way it had been done before but i i just think that mm-hmm. yeah having having the people who have been on the other side of the fence helping create those experiences is beneficial in the long run yeah i think it was definitely a big value add and oh yeah we got great feedback from patrons and from producers and everyone all around so, um, well, and we all like have worked in events in, in other capacities too. It's not like we're all just like, hooligans hey. and instigators <laughs> running around. like, oh yeah, we're going to like make balloon animals for people and be silly. Mm-hmm. We have that, but we also have between us decades of event production experience. I mean, kind of every a single storm of experience. Yep. Really? Stage management, production, uh, design, uh, you know, DJing, coordination, yeah, we got it covered. And then, and and, and then, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's his own category. And then, and then Rob, Rob Lane. Yeah, you can't really define him as any one definable. role or anything. It's He's just our yeah. Boy. Yes. He's our secret weapon. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> you. You've got um, what? We, yeah, we've got a Rob Lane. We've got a Rob Lane. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Keep him in the back. <laughs> oh my but gosh, what, he what just if still jumps to the front. <laughs> you were able to zoom him coming out of your pocket right now. That, and if, if you had a pocket. <laughs> just, well, I, I, I do oh, have you do. a pocket. Oh, you do have a pocket. Okay, and I do actually have green screen GIFs of him popping up out of corners. So this is actually something that I think I can oh do while we are on this call. <sighs> Yes. That is that is that is the so best good. part about Thanks. this. So Probably subset top top. Like how no, how do you summon a Rob Lane at a music festival? Like what would you do? <laughs> bang, a, bang a spoon. So he's yeah. like, who else is banging a spoon right now? <laughs> oh my god. Like you make a ring of duct tape and you place two rubber ducks inside of it. You got two <laughs> spoons and you clean them together at least three times. Oh and then a Robling will appear. I totally have this. Oh my god. Yeah. Honestly, you don't even have to do anything to summon Rob Lane at a music festival. He's just everywhere and nowhere all at the same time. He's an enigmatic (laughs) character. (laughs) He really is. Uh, I love we Rob. Can, we can keep talking. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make this happen. Though. <laughs> yes. I love Rob's ability to just sleep. Um, I remember. Well, one time he, and this was during an instigator thing. He slept in the instigator's lounge at Above and Beyond on the couch, but he, and then it was during the day. And then he talked about how he like he basically dressed. He like camouflaged himself to the couch. <laughs> With this oh my god, I remember that. So he could just like 
would like melt into the couch and no one would like ask him for anything or whatever. I thought he was like so incredibly smooth about camouflaging himself to the couch. Like we're just not even gonna notice that Rob's over there sleeping, which to be honest, it probably took me a couple hours. <laughs> it was a success. It was yeah. a success. Creative mastermind in a variety of ways. But I was, oh, yeah. what I was more impressed about was just how deeply he thought that whole nap through. Oh, oh yeah. He 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 thinks through the silliest things way more than most people think about the, the most important things in their life. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> silliness is very important to him. Yeah, it's like one of his key, key values, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a great segue. Like, what are your key values, Mark? Because I feel like community is obviously something that's been shown up. Community is the big one, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not something I always realized was important. Uh, mm -hmm. I... I was definitely a very selfish, egocentric person for a very long time, and it took uh, it took a lot of work to even realize that that was an issue. Yeah, I mean, as 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 you would imagine, it's not something you're just like, "What's wrong? What's going wrong in my life?" Oh, it's me thinking everything revolves around me, and mm -hmm. thinking that what what matters to me is all that matters in the world. That took a lot of. Um, psychedelics right? <laughs> yeah. a yeah. lot of psychedelics and a lot of really hard times and also you know finally breaking the pattern of like having bad trips and having a lot of mental crises and then finally realizing what i needed to learn from them and what to learn from a bad trip rather than just being like that's what's going on yeah that mm -hmm. i don't want to do that again so mm -hmm. wait, wait, wait why was it bad what, yes. what what is there to learn from this how did i make it worse <laughs> <laughs> yes. oh because all i was focusing on was trying to make my experience better mm -hmm. things get yeah. a lot better when you try to focus on what will make other others lives better yeah yeah you've actually been i i do want to talk about your like vulnerability with your mental health journey because i know that that's i mean first of all thank you for just like saying what you've already said because i think uh it's kind of the experience of oh of most yeah okay so for anyone that's not seeing the video uh our friend rob lane is acting like right. he's on mark's shirt right now yeah i need to make him so like trapping your heart <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let, him wait, wait, wait. let him out wait. oh yeah Wait, come back, come back. Where are you? I need to see you. Oh my gosh, coming out of your eyeballs. Oh, 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 wrong way, wrong way. Oh, there he is. So close to the pocket. Amazing. Oh, wait, as you were saying, instead of trying to move him, change the definition of what all it is. Yeah, yeah where the pocket yeah. is. Yeah, there you go. Pocket. Bam, creative life hacking. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Oh my god, wait, 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 wait. Oh my god, yes. Wait for it, wait for it. Oh my. Wow, 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 wow. One of the better best thing I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll let him I'll let I'll let him go back in there. Get back in that pocket. Get back in there. Get in there. Get back in that pocket. Come on, go, go. Yeah, yeah. 
know. There it goes. Okay. All right. Okay. Rob. All right. Literally, we literally keep him in our pocket. He's mm-hmm. our secret weapon. Always in Chuck's pocket. Always in Mike's pocket. Okay. So mental health. Um, yes. like one of the things that like I was thinking about and that I wanted to include in this interview is like I know on your journey of healing, which also I want to acknowledge, like the the journey from kind of being like self-centered or selfish, I think mm-hmm. is um, just sort of like a common experience for everyone. Absolutely. Like, especially like when you are a child, like you are focused on yourself. It's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing. And some people never stop becoming focused on themselves too. So just like, thank you for doing like, you know, continuing that process. I think we're all on that path. Um, and yeah, cheers to wherever anybody is on that journey. But something that's been really inspiring about you for me, and I'm sure a lot of other people, is how you've made like a conscious choice to be really vulnerable, especially on your journey of healing a lot of that stuff online. And I remember at first, like, I think it was when you posted something about realizing that, um, like, when you were drinking, it was kind of like becoming a crutch for your social anxiety and there's definitely like a social programming part of me that like when I read someone being like and please don't take this the wrong way but you know it's like that like like I'm being weak on the internet like I'm sharing my feelings and a part of you being like (laughs) yeah I don't do that but like anyway so like that is definitely like an unevolved response to like a vulnerable share but um Anyway, so yeah, there was like kind of probably like a small voice in my head that was like, okay. But then, then I was like, fuck, I'm also using alcohol to calm <laughs> my social anxiety. And then I was like, wow, okay. Like full circle made. Like this is why Mark is being vulnerable on the internet. Like in- That's exactly it. To let yep. other people know they're not alone in these mm-hmm. things and to, to help them uh connect with the with those things as well Mm -hmm. you know they might be shoving that down and not letting themselves really truly feel it we're a lot Um, more sensitive like most of us a lot more sensitive than we might realize oh i always knew you two were really sensitive (laughs) (laughs) thank you i gotta talk in a good way you're very sensitive empathetic people for sure um but a big part of it especially these days with social media is uh, the best way I've seen it put is you're looking at everyone's highlight reel mm-hmm. and comparing it to your behind the scenes. And that is very destructive to people's mental health because they see everyone living the life, having everything that they think they want, but they don't see the uncertainty, the anxiety, the depression, the struggle uh, mm-hmm. that makes that possible. And they don't see just like for for every amazing post that I put up, how much other shit happens in my life and how much I have to push through. I I saw, I read earlier today, I think they did some study and basically people post like 78% of positive things in their life versus 28% of negative things in their life. 28% seems high. I feel like people post like 5% of the negative. It's probably 28% because however they did that study, people were still holding back. So they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. They didn't tell the researchers about some of the really negative stuff. Yep, exactly. 
what's some advice that you might give to like people that are wanting to be more vulnerable on the internet but just like worried about i don't know being like judged or being that person whatever that is you know i'm those people by the way yeah (laughs) um start small start small as with anything test Mm -hmm. the waters and uh i guess also to your degree of worrying about whether people are going to judge them if people are going to judge you fuck them those aren't people that you need to have in your life yeah Uh, and and also that might start like like you had talked about that might start as their gut reaction but that is what starts them on their journey towards growth because we always have like it's it's the ego protecting itself saying i am not the problem i don't have any issues that i need to work through but everyone needs a little instigation to start their path being vulnerable on the internet is something that i always really admire and um but definitely have a hard time with at times i um I, I had a powerful moment with you when we were getting ready for um, the 40 hour work week and I was going to do the meditation. You were asking me like what I wanted to do. And you asked me if I wanted to do a guided meditation. And I said, well, is that something that the viewers would want or that they would like or something like that? And you were like, fuck them. I don't care. Like, <laughs> it's not about what they want. It's about what they're getting. <laughs> and I was like, yeah you're right you're right and that is that moment there has stuck with me because it i i fall into that habit sometimes like will they like it i think Mm -hmm. especially with art and creative things like will they like it Mm -hmm. and and it's just really in the last several months i would say in the last year maybe it's been like slowly building up of just like not caring anymore and even that's even a big one of the reasons why we've started the podcast is because i just don't really care anymore on if people (laughs) like it or if they listen to it or whatever what ruthie is saying basically is anyone watching fuck you (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't care if you like she doesn't care okay (laughs) (laughs) which reminds me a lot of lizzie's fuckery meditations yes Well, okay. So what this is making me think of is like making sure that you have like, again, I'm going to bring it back to Tim Ferriss was a big influence on me, y'all. But yeah, like making sure you've got like at least an audience of one. Like when he was making his podcast, he was like, I'm going to interview people that I selfishly want to interview because I think that they're cool. And then I know at least one person's going to be happy. But then like, that's like following your joy and letting that be like your spark. And then it turns out that what legitimately lights you up is going to light up a lot of other people too and maybe not everyone but that like authenticity comes through and I don't think I think it's a really strong thing to have in your art of making sure that like you're happy with it yeah starting there I mean however you feel about your art is the emotion that comes through in the art yeah yeah also you know I like comparison is something that we we just all inherently do all the time and I think with art I I've often will struggle with comparing myself to other artists comparing myself to other chefs trying to make art that mimics other artists or things like that because you're busy comparing and really the the best art for any of us is always just going to be 
um, you know, being able, finding out how to tap into what we like and what we yeah. want and not caring about if people like it or, or any of those things. And, and finding that usually creates some art that everyone loves as it turns mm -hmm. out. <laughs> It's like that Brene Brown quote that I posted where she was like, vulnerability is that the key of like creativity and change and some other stuff of like, yeah. It's, it's the key to strength is mm. what I believe too. The, so the way people become the strongest is by being vulnerable and sharing with others and being vulnerable allows other people to be vulnerable. It, it helps them realize that they mm -hmm. can be. Gives other people permission big time. Yeah. 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 And especially like, you know, my life on surface level, if I just kept it to the highlights, it seems like a, a dream sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Going around, playing these festivals, shows every weekend, blah, blah, blah. But if people just saw that and there's someone out there who struggles with the exact same things I struggle with, mm -hmm. not, that's not helping them. And yeah. if I'm only doing it to help myself by putting out this what a lot of people used to tell me is fake it till you make it make sure people think you have the dream life so that they can idolize it and want to follow you that doesn't help anyone at all yeah. and i don't want people to idolize me i want people to connect with me yeah yeah i really hate the fan like i don't have fans i don't have a fan base i have a community that i help mm. that, I, that i help create yeah. I, don't, I don't create the community i, I help i help create a space for it to exist yeah love that really powerful mm -hmm. and it's it's been fun transitioning this into the online world especially yeah. in a time where community is is harder to be a part of and is badly badly needed for for so many reasons the not the least of which is mental health Yes. So, Mark, for those who don't know, please tell us how COVID has impacted your creativity. So, for those of who, the, those of you who don't know, I uh, I'm, the, I'm the creative director of a nightclub here in Seattle. Spent all of my weekends and weeks, you know, planning club shows. Every now and then, going to do festivals with these lovely ladies and our other friends as the instigators. And my entire life was revolved around live events. And as soon as quarantine hit, that all dried up. And I, at first I, I resisted jumping into the live stream world because right when quarantine hit, everyone was live streaming. And I, I didn't feel that I needed to add to the, to the noise of it. That there was just so much. It's like, okay, they've, they've got this covered. Like, I don't, I don't need to do, to do that. So what were, what I, were some of the other internal dialogues going yeah. on? Yeah. Like, um, my, my, oh, my voice isn't worth hearing in all of this. Mm -hmm. Like, like my art isn't good enough for people to care about the other people are doing it and they're also doing it better. So why bother? Mm. Um, so then I decided to get weird with it and I live streamed power washing my yes that was a pivotal moment that of the was year. my first live stream <laughs> it was it was actually it was almost exactly I think today actually might be the six month anniversary of that because wow. I, 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 I shared it recently on my Facebook page because I was looking back for something in May and I found it and I I, I, I'm actually going to check because I think it was like almost exactly six months ago. So and 
I remember Ruthie's comments like, yeah, get in those cracks. <laughs> <laughs> she loves work so much. <laughs> March 19th. So we just, we just passed the six month mark of, of uh, that where I just power wash my deck with the audio from the power washer still playing with uh, a small speaker next to my computer playing royalty free sounds. So it wouldn't get taken down off of Facebook. And people loved it. <laughs> and I instantly had these dreams of, okay, I'm going to go around and power wash people's decks and fences <laughs> and stuff, and then have live musicians come play, yeah. like, like instruments. <laughs> but we're not going to mic them up. They're just going to be like next to the computer or whatever, and you can kind of hear them. But right. it was also power washing. Yeah. And whenever the power washer stops for a second, you can hear the beautiful music. And then, <laughs> this is great. And let's this let's be honest. Still happen. It's still a pretty fantastic idea. Yeah. yeah. It's like the longer I sit on it, the more I'm like, it's actually still genius. And I, I, yes. If, if, if my live stream DJ career ever ends, that's what mm -hmm. I'm used to. That's you. This is your your plan B. You know, it kind yes. of feels sort of like a, a little bit of like internet bdsm torture like oh you want you want this live stream bdsm meets music? asmr <laughs> yeah it's like an interesting form of um like yeah well, the best would see like if it evolved it is like really huge thing so we have like rufus dusol playing <laughs> and then right as the intro of one of their big songs come <laughs> Like, <laughs> it lets up for like three seconds and people are like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I want someone in tall socks and socks with sandals together. I really yeah. <laughs> well, let's be real, if I can evolve it to that level, it would be pretty incredible. The world's be. the world's greatest bands ever. Anything being, is possible, Mark. Anything yep. is possible. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not giving up on that dream yet. But at the no. moment I did, because uh, when this was at the beginning of COVID, but when quarantine like really, really hit, I was like, okay, I can't be going around to people's houses, basically. I was like, yeah. I can't do this. My dreams are ruined. Damn it. <laughs> My power watching live stream dreams. Yeah. Shelf for the so, time. Yeah. So the next thing Ellie and I did was we made uh, applesauce on live stream while drinking whiskey and playing with Legos as we realized that uh, a large part of making applesauce was waiting for it to, to cook in this, mm -hmm. in the, uh, uh, in the instant pot. So we were like, Oh, we've got like 12 minutes to kill or whatever. We needed to sit here and do something. Okay. We're going to build this Lego set and drink whiskey, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then after that, I was like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll okay. I'll DJ it. already. Okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> Still <laughs> a little power wash foreplay for you guys. <laughs> exactly. And um, I don't know if it was right away. Actually, I think it might have been right away that I decided to do it every Tuesday and Thursday from nine to five and call it the new nine to five. I think that was like right away. I was like, okay, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna fucking do it. Um, and I mean, obviously, as as you both know. One of the things you must I've have done for, it one time, and it was enough of a success that you yeah, were like, okay, I, think I, I did, like yeah, nine to five, yeah. two days a week, forever. Yeah, like forever. I might as well because, like, <laughs> I, well, the first initial flyers were like until quarantine ends, which now translates until forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as you both know, I, I'm known for playing long sets, extended periods of time, and 
that's why I wanted to also do it for like eight hours. Cause like I, like if I, I finally am not constrained by set times at a club, I'm not playing an hour or two hour long set. And I feel I've always felt claustrophobic in those set times. So now that I'm finally in control and no one, no, no one can tell me to end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna. <laughs> and the people love it. Yeah. Oh my God. It. I was looking back at like how many hours I streamed in March and April and May. And it was insane. I was doing like, I, I think there were several weeks where I did like 80 hours of streaming. Wow. Yeah. Because you were doing your, I mean, obviously the 40 hour work week, you're doing your Tuesday and Thursday thing, but then there were just all sorts of random renegade things yep. that you were doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, there were just at any time of the day or night, I could like hop on your Twitch and you might be up there DJing. Well, there was a lot of times, because especially in the early uh, parts of it, there, there were so many of like the ShipFam community who were always watching live streams and everyone yep. was. Yep. And in the ShipFam uh, live stream groups, people were always posting the schedules and like late at night, like, where are we going? What are we listening to? And I quickly realized like no one was doing like late night streams. So I'm like, okay, so I guess I'm going to go on at midnight because no one else is streaming past 12 in the morning which is weird because what else are they gonna do yeah. um just so, like festivals <laughs> just like festivals everyone ends i'm here to fill in got you guys <laughs> or like after gary's sermon in april okay so his sermon's gonna end all right well i know you guys are ready to go to sleep so <laughs> hello let's, let's go. <laughs> that was um, such a good set that was mm. that was a lot of fun and yeah, it's just evolved more and so more. So what, at this point, what is the longest consecutive amount of hours that you have DJed? 48. Wow. And that's, <laughs> and that's that about, about to change soon, right? It's about to change. I am doing 69 hours starting on Monday <laughs> at 7.20 p.m. It's a very specific time so that it can end on Thursday at 4 20 p.m oh wow yeah. wow, wow, you, wow, gotta, wow. I, you have to end a 69 hour set at 4 20 right? obviously like, <laughs> if you're gonna go meme you gotta yeah. go full meme are yeah. you are you djing yourself for 69 hours are you gonna have like some guests DJ. No, that would no. That no. would be the whole purpose of it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the whole purpose of it. So yeah, it's, 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 the whole the whole thing that makes it a shtick is that it's endurance. Yeah. Like if I had guests, like if I had guests, I could I could have a stream run for hundreds of hours, just piping in guests here and there, taking naps. Hundreds what, of hours, I could do it nonstop. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm right. I do. <laughs> we do. All right. <laughs> um, um, like so, is Ellie just bringing you food as this is happening? I, I remember people are like Uber eat, eating you food and stuff like so that. So, for the 48 hour set, Ellie made a big dinner right at the beginning of it. But from then on, our friends sent food throughout huh. the entirety of it. Some of our friends who already had my address sent food without even asking. And then some of like, obviously I'm not just going to give out my address to random people who are watching, but some mm -hmm. of our close friends would be like, uh, give me your address. And they were all smart enough to know they didn't ask me anything about it. They were just like dietary restrictions. Nope. Okay. That's all I need to know. That's and sweet. We'll, we'll figure it out from here. Mm -hmm. So they got pizza from a really cool pizza spot that I didn't even know was around me. Wow. Uh, bagels. Uh, someone sent to uh, one of our friends sent a huge thing of Thai food. 
And but this time around, since this is also a longer, more endurance thing, uh, one of my friends is helping me come up with somewhat of a meal plan of mm-hmm. of foods that will help energize my body and keep me going without That's weighing good. Good, not good. running on e the whole time. That's so smart that somebody is coming up with a meal plan for you for this. I love yeah, it. and planning out things like I'm not gonna have any caffeine intake for the first like yeah 12 hours or even longer if i can mm-hmm. like i'm gonna hold out as long as possible Good. Like, starting with then tea yes then some coffee and then red bull just like slowly yeah. ramping it up so i don't crash by yeah. drinking red bulls an hour five so smart uh, we're going at- very methodically with this and mm-hmm. instead of just like pushing through and oh i got this and destroying my body <laughs> uh, so um recently you've had a bit, a bit of a, a newer announcement as of this last month or so working with dirty bird mm-hmm. which um i would say is probably like maybe one of those dream positions oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and is just so cool to see all of that happening. Um, tell us how that happened. I mean, I'm not at all surprised because I know that Claude has been on to you for a long time with Holy He's Shit. always been a big supporter. All um, of your, we- all of your uh, renegades. So I'm sure, I mean, you were obviously just kind of doing it the best with all the live stream stuff. Um, so oh, how but that- other, other people were hiring you for live streams too. Like- yes. So, uh, me and my Private. friend, Mike, uh, Mike Kenworthy, uh, he had actually started the, the company that we now co-own together, Demi Digital Renegades at the beginning of the quarantine era to produce live events. And, uh, when I wanted to do the first noise complaint event, uh, which was starting to bring in other DJs from other places. I needed help doing that because you can't just like, oh, we want six different DJs in six different locations all playing on one stream. That requires a lot of uh, back-end technical work. And he had already done all that infrastructure work. So we started working together on on that and uh, decided to make a push into helping produce events for other people. And our first clients being uh, Gary, Destructo producing his sunrise sermons, mm-hmm. uh, which like the one that we did for him in May, we brought in like Bob Moses and Boys Noise, Dita Von Teese, uh, so and even having like okay. Justin Martin and Wax Motif and other people coming in and s- sitting in the room that he was DJing. Wow. In. People love the, that. the the piece de resistance <laughs> to me was Dorley's set, which was in uh, was in this beautiful room with like all records and everything around but this one shot from the front uh uh, like his dj booth was over here kind of angled but on the very corner the left side of the screen there was this like there was a chair right there i was like what if we can have gary sit in that chair so gary had um a separate green screen set up because his main dj uh thing wasn't on green screen but he had a place where he could go and be on green screen so we could put him into the scenes watching the guest sets in the corner so what we did is we had him push his chair back up against the green screen drape the green screen over the chair and then sit in it and got it just right so you know when you take it away it just looks like he's floating sitting and got it just right 
And so it looks like he was sitting in Dorley's chair. Amazing. So, oh, so beautiful. There were also like Mark started working with, and again, I want to get to what you're doing now, but I think important to know, like not only was this just like live streaming, but as he's saying, starting to help other people do live streamings and using green screens to bring in people like Rob Lane, but also dancers. So like when that, I can't remember if it was that one or, or it was the Easter one, I'm pretty sure. But one of Destructo's, you had like um, basically Yeah, it was dancers. the same one. Yeah, yeah, we had our dancers that we would bring in. in uh, like in his, Oh yeah, in his scene, we had our, our performers uh, dancing shrunk down on his turntables. One mm-hmm. like flipped upside down on his light. And then we, even for some of the guest sets, we brought in the performers to the sides of the screen. Mm-hmm. And we've also done that. We, we also produce uh, Seven Lions monthly vision series live streams mm-hmm. where we help bring in other DJs. We put performers in, in there. Uh, we also did the same thing for Lightning in a Bottle. We produced all of Digital Lightning in a Bottle back in May, which was our first really big event and was a huge learning experience. It was it was a lot of work. Uh, but still to this day is one of the, the best online festival experiences that I've had, if not the best online festival experience, because it truly felt like you were at a festival. Mm. They, they really nailed it. Our team nailed it. It was It was pretty great. Um, but now we're doing the same thing for Dirty Bird. We we run all of their live stream stuff. I'd actually hit up Barclay and Andy, his wife, back in May because I heard through someone who works with them that they were looking for some help spicing up their live streams. And we had exchanged a few emails, uh, but then uh, everyone kind of took a step back from live streaming when everything with George Floyd happened and uh, everyone kind of like, you know, just reassessed took a break those conversations cooled off and i kind of had forgotten about it and like a month a little over a month ago yeah it was about six or seven weeks ago this was actually a really it was really fortuitous timing because uh also after all of that happened and i came back after a break from streaming my numbers plummeted from like 180 to 200 a day to initially it was like 30 mm-hmm. which was devastating to me because i had put all my time and energy into this and was thinking that this could be my uh, way out of 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 being in clubs non-stop and i slowly built it back up but it was still stagnating around like 80 or 90 people and I was putting more and more time and effort into it. Lydia, my performance coordinator, and I had decided to be more intentional, create more scenes, and, and try to elevate the art form of it. Could you tell us some of the scenes? Just for... Oh, my goodness. Um, DJing out of a calculator watch with audio reactive buttons, uh, boom box with EQ that actually goes to the music, um, Arctic Tundra DJing in a... a like a an igloo on on a sheet of ice Uh, i think we have like 30 scenes now which actually for the 69 hour set i'm gonna be changing scenes every two to three hours oh yeah so i loved when you dj'd out of a dumpster for the The trash trash bins bins. (laughs) yeah I told people that I was going to do a a Burning Man theme for Burn Week and that it was going to be like the trash fence and when it came time to build the trash fence stage I'm like how do I build a trash fence stage? Right. Like what am I like what is my DJ booth going to be? And I was like 
I'm just going to lean into the trash thing. <laughs> and then that's where Racky the raccoon, who is now a favorite recurring character, came from. Because I found this animated looped video of a dancing raccoon. And I was like, people kept saying, this needs a trash panda. I was like, well, I'm going to find a trash panda. So we found a raccoon. He was quickly given the name Racky by the viewers. And he is actually, you know, we can we can bring in Racky right now. Racky, you want to make an appearance? Bring in Racky. Yes. Yeah, we got to bring him. in Racky. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had been putting in all this effort and things still weren't, you know, they weren't, the needle wasn't moving. And that was, that was hard because I was spending a lot of time building these scenes, spending I had already throughout the year spent thousands of hours doing this stuff. And especially that week, I was just feeling really down. I was like, okay, this isn't going anywhere. I, I might need to figure out a different thing to do. Here, wait one sec. There you yes! go. Yes. Wow. Look at that luxurious fur. Look at those out. dance moves. Really, really, he's got the best dance, dance moves. Wow, yeah. wow, wow, Racky, wow. Ra Racky's the man, he really I can is. See why. I can see, yeah, you why. see why he's a fan favorite, right? Oh, like, yeah, I want to interview okay. Racky. <laughs> yeah, that's enough. Um, so right when you weren't sure if things were working out or not, maybe I should it, change course, yeah, and then I had three days in a row of really intense migraines to go on top of that all yeah. and i almost didn't stream that day i was just like i'm gonna call out sick which is a hard thing to do um but it's yeah. also really hard to stream for eight hours a day in front of people when you don't want to get out of bed yeah um so but i didn't and i'm glad i didn't because that was the day that dirty bird showed up in my channel uh, started talking and then decided to host my channel on, on the Dirty Birds channel. And that right there energized me a lot and gave me some hope. And the next day, I woke up and I emailed Barkley and Andy again. And I was like, hey, I know we had, had these conversations still, you know, like if you want any help, here's a highlight reel of stuff I've done. I'd love to help out a bit. 30 minutes later, I'm on a phone call with Barkley because they were a, the next week launching a full seven day a week series of shows with 10 shows at launch. And they needed help uh, making sure that everything was up to the standards of Dirty Bird and getting all the technical stuff sorted. And I <laughs> dove in the deep end right away. And from then on, I've talked to, to Barkley and the Dirty Bird team every single day and put in a lot of work to help them. Uh, realize their creative vision in this new landscape, which is, uh, it's really amazing to be able to help some of the brands that have been a huge inspiration to me throughout the years. Absolutely. And I, I got my own show on Dirty Bird, which is wild. That's fucking awesome. And, and Lena is doing yoga for Dirty Bird now, which mm -hmm. is just amazing, okay. which I, you know, I know that um, you had a hand in that and that actually wasn't me. I didn't have a hand in making that happen. No. Um, Nicole, who's the marketing manager for dirty bird. She had previously taken, uh, yoga classes with Lena, like zoom classes. And mm -hmm. she was like, yeah, that we, we want to have yoga on the dirty bird Twitch channel. And yeah, I, mean, I want to have you the obvious choice. 
Yeah. And then, and then uh, when Lena started talking with her, she's like, okay, we're going to connect you with Mark who helps us run the tech side of things. She's like, perfect. He's the one who helped me get my tech stuff set up. (laughs) Uh, Because we had already worked together for the 40 hour work week and everything. So it's just, yeah, it's perfect. She's a perfect fit. Lena is a friend through Holy Ship. Also, I just love how like nerdy gaming Mark's skills have just come full circle and totally empowered you to do yes. this like awesome career thing right now like who thought? yes they finally come in handy mm-hmm. and it's like this the stuff that i'm doing now like i'm when i'm streaming i'm doing a lot of stuff at the same time so like right here i have uh i have a touchscreen monitor that i use to control visuals and we all have Discord calls with my performers that I didn't do a screen capture to green screen them in, DJing, moderating the chat, um, running like 17 things at the same time while also it's DJing. it's a lot. Yeah. yeah. For any but, of the young gamers out there, you can drop out of college. Continue. <laughs> Yes. And work for Dirty Bird. <laughs> and work for Dirty Bird if you just keep at it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to. You have to overcome a whole lot of creative challenges and obstacles, yeah. and persevere and continue to throw yourself into the abyss over and over and over again first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> throwing yourself into the abyss. Into That's the, the abyss. name of the game. Yep. Go through, not around. Yep, through the abyss. It's the only way. Oh, yeah, that's the scariest, but but also, you know what's scarier is living a life that's boring as fuck, where you're uninspired and then nothing of consequence to you happens. And at the end, you're like, well, I wish that I would have tried. Yeah, that would be worse than the abyss. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get, I still get nervous and anxious a lot about things I do. And I, I purposely drive myself towards those feelings. Mm -hmm. um, Because I feel like to a degree, if you're not getting nervous, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Mm. Because that means you're comfortable. And comfort is the, uh, is the killer of creativity. So true. Yeah. Which is the reason I'm glad we're doing this podcast. So I was uncomfortable. So something that I remember, and I'm wondering like how much this played into um, you kind of like developing a different relationship with your comfort zone. Um, I know that when you went to Seattle, you started doing improv comedy. Oh yeah. That was short lived, but it helped out. It was short lived, but it helped out a lot. Mm one of my biggest uh, hurdles that I've had to overcome is being okay with things not going the way that I thought they were going to go. Because I feel like that's where a lot of unhappiness comes from is not being able to come to terms with like things not going the way you expected or the way you planned. That's life. It never does. And you have to be able to roll with the punches and figure out, okay, well, this is what's happening how do I adapt to this situation and how do I at least try to steer it towards something that I want? And that's improv saying yes. yes and yes. And it's always <laughs> yes. Not just like, no, no, but it needs to be that. But we're already here. Yep. So say yes and keep moving. 
Mm -hmm. And I, I realized that that was something that was going to be helpful and being able to get out of my head and just, just go with the flow. That's what improv is. You have to go with the flow. And -hmm. I only took one series of classes, but that was enough to really help, uh, help me get out of that mental rut a bit. And I actually do, I want to go back and do classes again sometime. I really did enjoy it. Well, you're hilarious. And I feel like I noticed it more, especially after the improv. And I'm sure it was there all along, but I, and I might just not have been spending enough time with you, but I, I don't know. I have a suspicion. Maybe the improv helped you just feel oh, free to did. explore that more, but anyway. yeah, oh, it, de- it definitely did. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just I mean, say, say the weird things. <laughs> yes. It's so good. And once again, it comes um, back to if people don't like it, Fuck them. <laughs> but there are people who are going to connect with that and be like, oh, I have the same weird random thoughts and that's okay mm-hmm. to just kind of go with them sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And they wouldn't have that type of like real heartfelt like validation if you didn't go there. I'm just trying to be a role model about being weird and vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And, um, Brene Brown's like tagline or kind of what she signs off with from her podcast is something along the lines of like staying humble and awkward (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one that's a really good one yeah stay awkward is basically like the tagline and i'm like you know that's that is a good one yeah that's fair yeah i love that Hmm. so mark um what advice do you have for anybody who is maybe in that place that you were before you decided to jump into the abyss um, and and start DJing or move to New York or or when you um, saw only thirty viewers on your live stream and thought about quitting, what are what are some of those kind of like perseverance type of pieces of advice you have for listeners that are dealing with that right now? Well, for for those on the edge, maybe thinking about making a huge jump, I mean, there there is a thing called survivor bias. I don't want to just be like, yeah, I, it it worked for me, so everyone should should quit their job, drop out of school, and and try mm-hmm. to do what I did. No, that's it's because a hundred people could try it, and and ninety eight percent of them might have thrown away something that was going to be better for them in the end. So you don't need to jump full in right away into something new, but test the waters, try something out. Um, if it's, if, if you think that you don't have time with your current situation to do that, you can find time. You can, even if it's a little bit every day. Uh, I know one thing a lot of people teach is the consistency and that's important. If you want to try music, five minutes, five minutes a day, just dedicate yourself to that and nothing more. And eventually that will start growing and you might connect with that, but also don't be afraid to fail and to give up and to try something new, uh, repeated failure, as I've discussed with uh, a, f- a friend, Mike, very recently is, is the most assured path, path to success mm-hmm. is repeated failure. So don't be afraid to fail, fail often and just and as we had talked about earlier make sure you learn from your failures yes also you know with the survivorship bias like 
Yeah, I think making like totally crazy moves where you literally have like no idea, no connections, like, yeah, that that could be something that you might not want to just jump into. But also it's like depending on like how the rest of your life is, like if you have enough support to be able to do that and you can create that support in a variety of ways, then my kind of prediction is like even if you are going for something and it doesn't succeed, but then you're putting yourself in a totally different position with many more opportunities where you may have the opportunity, more opportunities to say yes and, and it could turn into something totally different if you're going with the flow that could be even better. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, as long as you have some sort of, uh, of safety net or all, you know, Mm -hmm. you have the support. Sure. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Yeah. And and there's no better time than right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very unique situation that we're all in. Now is a great time to try something new. It is actually. Um, so this lady, her podcast, her name is Lacey Phillips and her podcast is called expanded, but she says like to build up a fuck you fund, which is like a six month fund. So if you're like over it, like whatever is happening in your life job wise, you can be like, fuck you. I'm going to go figure it out. So like, that's, that's kind of an example of like, if, if you want to do something crazy, maybe just figure out what your expenses are, your minimum expenses for like six months and save up that. So then you have the freedom to be like, I'm going to do some crazy shit, but but like you could always, and also, you know, considering like if, if the worst case scenario happened with whatever the thing is that you want to do, like imagine everything went to shit. Like, would you be able to get back to where you are now within six months? And if the answer is yes, then give it a shot. Give it a shot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Well, is there anything else that y'all feel you'd like to share? Not nothing I can think of. We covered a lot. This was we uh, did. This was was so good. I honestly, I feel like we we could probably do a whole separate podcast just on like what the different scenes look like and <laughs> yeah. the different types of dancers and just like mm-hmm. I just think that everything that you're doing right now is so incredibly cool. Um we really I mean we can't really describe how cool it is on the podcast. I think the best way for people to know how cool it is is go to go there. watch <laughs> you on twitch mm-hmm. every tuesday and thursday i'll let you take it from here on where people can yeah. see how oh, yeah. every tuesday and thursday from 9 a.m to 5 p.m on my twitch twitch.tv slash subset gets it every friday night on dirty bird uh from 10 p.m until question mark <laughs> my favorite end time no one can tell you when to stop Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah. No um, stop times, no masters. <laughs> nope. And then uh, potentially some other things in the work. Or, work or, well, actually, yeah, next week, 69 hours. So yeah. you can catch me Monday through Thursday from September until October. Get in there. Get in there. Wow. Four calendar days, two calendar months. <laughs> Iconic. Truly iconic, right? Mark. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there are some uh, some other things in the works, so it might have even some more recurring shows soon. Yes, well, I think Ruthie said it. Yeah, the magic that is Mark's live streams and online presence now truly cannot be captured in this podcast, though we've done our best, so you should definitely <laughs> check it out. <laughs> oh, 
Well, I promise you. it will be awkward and fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awkward, yeah. weird, fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, but you've grown so much. Every time that I pop in, it feels like more hilarious, interesting things are going on than it makes me so happy to watch you grow. So we just fucking crush it, Mark. I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thanks <sighs> for having me, ladies. This was a yes. lot of fun. And we need to talk like this more often. I know. We miss you. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, yeah, until next time. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening. We are really grateful to you all for taking the time. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts like and comment and share with anyone who you think might benefit from this and if you have any questions or you'd like to connect with us you can find us on instagram at creative life hackers you could shoot us an email at creative at gmail.com or come to our website creative lifehackers.com Our intro and outro is by Joseph McDade, and you can find at josephmcdade.com.